0: We talked about on Friday, the crucifixion, and it was like just where we happened to be in Luke's gospel, like just moving along at Sunday after Sunday. And this morning, we're gonna actually finish the end of chapter 23 and move into just the first 12 verses of chapter 24. We're only gonna cover 12 verses. But the title for my study today is He is Risen. He is risen indeed, thank you. He is risen, that's, uh, man, I love that. Um, remember just kind of a little bit that the Pharisees and Sadducees, I want to paint this picture for you guys. Jesus came to this earth, right? He gathered 11, I'm sorry, 12 disciples to himself and begins to teach them. He begins to pour his life into them and and teach them the kingdom that was going to come and the, the things that they were supposed to be doing. And he begins to tell them, look, there's going to come a day when the Pharisees and the scribes are going to come against me. They're going to take me. They're going to crucify me. And then on the third day, I will rise. And he would tell them this several times. But it was like in one ear and out the other. Because we're going to see that they all forgot. They forgot about the promise that Jesus had given them. And the horrible sights that they had to witness then when Jesus was first put into a a room where they tried him illegally, they set up an illegal trial for him in the middle of the night in the darkness. They put a bag over his head and they beat him. They pulled his beard. They took him to Pilate. Pilate would scourge him with the, the cat of nine tails, which was this whip with teeth and glass on the end of it. So the whip would hit him and Tear off chunks of his body. And then they would take Jesus and they would crucify him. They would put him on the cross. They would nail him to that cross, the nails going through the bottom of his wrists, the bottom of his feet. And he would have to push himself up just to get air as he's on the cross. Meanwhile, the crown of thorns that they put on his head, pressed into his skull, these causing sweat and blood just down his face and he can do nothing except endure this all for you and me. I'm like, man, I'm not worth it, right? We think that. I'm like, God, why, why me? But Jesus says, no, you are worth it. He lo- that's how much he loves you guys. So they did that and then finally Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up his ghost. His spirit left his body, they took him down and that's where we're going to pick up in our study today. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, beginning with verse 50, it says, Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. So one thing i want to note for you guys right here real quick is look there's a man now who's coming to take jesus's body to bury him and he's not like all the other religious people of his time he didn't consent to jesus being crucified i recognize look that god has his remnant people who still believe because sometimes we think we're all alone in this world as believers too you're out there in the secular job you're out there with a, a family who's mostly non-believing and we feel like man we're alone but look there are people that god still has i have to look unto jesus first of all i have to look unto his kingdom that is coming that, that god has a purpose and a place for me being a christian in this world and are we ready for the return of christ can we look back in all these areas of our life that god has put us in charge of our family our work our school, our arts, our skills, and say, you know what? I've given all these unto you, Jesus. You do what you want with them. In verse 52, it says, this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. Now this was spoken of, In the Old Testament, just through the prophets, and it happened just as the prophets prophesied. And all these Old Testament promises being fulfilled by the man Jesus, it's because God never fails. Jesus wasn't trying to fulfill the Old Testament prophets like, okay, what did Isaiah say? Isaiah said that I would say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what to do. Okay, let let me say that now. No, this just happened naturally. It wasn't Jesus trying to force it It all came to be as God said it was going to be because when God gives you guys a promise, his words don't fail. In verse 54, that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now, this is quite interesting that they have this Sabbath day, this day of rest in their religion. Um, In Israel, you find out that on Sabbath day, everything closes down, all the stores close. But what's interesting to me is how divine is it that Jesus would be crucified as the lamb for the sins of the world during Passover, right? That was the original Passover was when Moses, he took the lamb, he killed it. He put the blood on the posts of the door. And the destroyer, the death destroyer, passed over the Israelites. That's in that same illustration. Jesus was shed. His blood was shed as a lamb. His blood on our life gives us salvation. Death doesn't take us. In chapter 24, it says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning there, they and certain other women with them, came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. So this is going to be Sunday now, the first day of the week. So their, their weeks are similar to ours, and that their first day of the week is our Sunday also. Now, just so you guys know, uh, we have Good Friday that we celebrate. Um, just to be clear, uh, it says that Jesus was going to be in the heart of the earth for three, three days and three nights. So that would mean that Jesus was actually crucified on Thursday. So it should be Good Thursday, but we just celebrated on Good Friday, and that, I'm not going to get upset if we celebrated on Good Friday. There's no reason to be so. Remember Paul; he would write, "Look, don't let anyone judge you according to the holidays." Now, during April, which is around this time when it, this would be taking place, there in Jerusalem, and something that we experience is like in, early in the morning because they have a, a climate that is pretty much close to here, our climate in California, Southern California during april in the morning it's very cool and there's dew on the grass and so i'm picturing that they put jesus in this tomb they put the stone over it it's nighttime there's guards who are watching over the tomb and then the next morning these women they come they bring spices why why, why are they bringing all these anointing oils they didn't come to go see the risen lord They went to go anoint a dead corpse. That's what they were doing. And I'm wondering, man, time after time, Jesus would tell his disciples, look, I'm going to be crucified, put to death, and rise again the third day. And here they are just coming to anoint a dead body. However, I give them this, though, the women who are going to the tomb, that the stone would have been covering that tomb, and they still went. They had that that desire, that hunger to go and be devoted to Jesus. Do we have that in our life? Do we have that belief? Which leads me to my first point this morning. I have three points in my study today. My first point is be believing. Jesus said that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to be removed and be cast into the sea. It's an illustration of just a little bit of faith that's what causes salvation in our life. That repentance, that saying, Lord, be my savior and be my Lord. I'm remembering there is a father in the gospels who his son was demon possessed and this demon would come upon this child and cause him to foam and have a, a seizure. And he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, please heal my son. And he said, do you believe that I, that I can make him well? And the man said, I believe, help my unbelief. Oh, what a true prayer, right? I, you, I've got a little bit of faith, but I have a lot of areas in my life where I'm unbelieving, Lord. So I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus granted it to him with that little bit of faith. He cast the demon out of the sun. I ask you guys, what has God promised you guys this morning? has God given you guys promises? Have you been listening for them in your life? Promise of salvation? Promise that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior that you can be fulfilled in your life and live a purpose-filled life with Christ? We want contentment, don't we, in our life? We want provision, our needs to be met. Do you believe that when God says that his plans for you are good, that he's saying the truth? Or are you worried, oh man, the passport didn't come through, oh, the finances aren't there, the sickness, uh, why is God allowing this to happen to me? And then when we begin to doubt, God, are you really good? Are your plans for me really good? But we know that in the Bible it says that all things work together for good, for those who love God and for those who are called. Now these women, as they're coming to the, the tomb, they're coming, they're believing look we're gonna move that stone somehow right women power that's what i see right here you know they're going and that stone's gonna get moved one way or another in verse two it says but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb so they got there and don't you just love it when you're praying for something and you're thinking in your mind man how are we gonna deal with this and then you get to the situation and god's already taken care of it oh how many times has that happened in our life see, the stone wasn't meant to be rolled away. In fact, the Roman guards, if they let this body get away, then they would be killed themselves. And this type of stone that was used for this burial cover was heavy. In verse 3, it says, Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Jesus, his body was not in the tomb on the third day. Now, this is kind of interesting, too, because critics will say that, well, maybe the, the tomb was never emptied. Maybe the body was always there. And I, I have to say that even critics of this idea, they're going to have to argue with the fact that secular historians recorded that the Jewish leaders, they claimed the body was stolen. So if you're going to claim that the body was stolen, then what's that say about the tomb? It's empty. In verse 4, And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? which leads me to my second point this morning, is be not afraid. The women, they're there and they see these men shining their angels. They're afraid of the angels, God's messengers. They're afraid of what they don't understand God is doing. Maybe even t- too, they, as they suddenly hear a voice talking to them, they're like, oh my gosh, did the guards come? Pro- perhaps uh, uh, fearful for their life in this moment. See, this is what fear can do to us in our life. It can lead us to unbelief. And what is causing us today to be robbed of peace? Because we have things in our life that rob our peace, right? Our peace gets taken from us. The flesh that we live in, our minds, can take our peace away. Unbelief toward Christ See, whatever that is, what it's doing is causing sin in our life, really. Because what sin is, is basically missing the mark of what is righteous and what is good. And when we unbelieve, when we have unbelief, when we doubt God, it's sin. And fear brings torment. There's a verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. That says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So many times we think the, the opposite of fear is, is courage, but according to the scripture it's love, love of, in Christ. And I, I like how the angel tells these women, he says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Because Jesus is living. Now, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Sometimes we think he's like Hercules. He was half God and half man. No, he's 100% God and 100% man. That means he's both human and divine. Now, the divine, the divinity of Jesus entered into the heart of the earth when he was crucified and buried for three days. He went into the heart of the earth and what did he do down there? He went to the saints who had already previously died and preached to them freedom. He was going to take all the saints who were in the center of the earth to heaven at that point. Because in order to get into heaven, you have to be perfect. And who here is perfect? You could raise your hand, he said. I'm just kidding. No one's perfect, right? We all need a savior in our life. So that's why Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So he could take our sins, put it on himself, and then we can get to be with Jesus the Father in heaven. And so when Jesus went down to the earth for three days and three nights, then he took all those saints who were believing, took them into heaven into eternity. He wasn't dead. And this is a message to us. Why do you seek the living among the dead? That we can't find true life and the things that are dead in this world, the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Sin brings forth death. And people like to say, hey, just live a little. Right? And then they pass you a drink. Hey, just live a little, and they pass you a drink. Or just live a little, and they pass you a joint why don't you just live a little bit and come out on a date with me and cheat on your spouse, Like, right? This is what the world says, live a little. And I say, well, I, I'm gonna say to them next time, why do you seek the living among the dead? You talk about living a little bit, that's death. It's because there's no life in this world, only death. There's only life in Christ. And your life is hid with Christ you guys want to live your purpose-filled life? And if you are, I encourage you to keep doing so. But if you feel like, you know what? I don't know if I'm living my purpose here on this earth. I promise you this. Jesus is your purpose-filled life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And when you submit yourself to him and his will for you, then all of a sudden you're doing exactly what you were designed to do. Because God created you guys each individually, unique and different. Some of us weird. Some of us, you know, but that weirdness is your unique call that like only you can do. And if you're not living out that purpose-filled life that Jesus had set for you, then you're not gonna be content. You're gonna be frustrated and, and, and anxious and have all these things that you're gonna try to put in your life that are not what God had planned for you. Imagine like God created dolphins to swim right imagine if the dolphin tries to get up on the beach and tries to walk around it's like it's going to be a sad and sick and dead dolphin pretty soon aren't isn't he god made you for his goodwill but if we don't live it out we're going to be that way in verse six the angel continues he says he is not here but is risen remember How he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. See, this leads me to my third point. Point number three, remember the resurrection. I wonder if the angels were getting frustrated as they were dealing with humanity during this time because he's saying, look, he's not here, he's risen, remember? Like, I wonder if Gabriel, one of the archangels, during those three days where Jesus was buried, ever asked God, God, can I just like pull up the tape for them where you told them already three times that I'm gonna go be crucified and come back? And God's like, no, 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 They they gotta learn. Like, I would be frustrated if I was Gabriel at that point. Like, let me just go tell them. Let me just tell them what you're doing. Now, this is our hope, that one day, all the evil, it's going to be done away with. That Jesus being risen, the suffering that he took, it's all part of God's plan. And the day is coming when there's not going to be any more sorrow. There's not going to be any more fear. There's not going to be any more sin. No more struggles, no more disease and sickness. COVID be gone, right? <laughs> There's not going to be COVID anymore. And our failing bodies, that as we get older and older, they just, things start to fall and we start to, uh, as we get older, our bodies are failing us. Well, one day when we're in heaven, God's going to give us a new body, transformed in, in a moment. The Bible talks that there's going to be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And God's going to make, also too, a new heavens and a new earth. So this earth that we're in, the way it's all structured, government, corrupt, like that's all going to be done with. And Jesus is going to reign as king rightfully. Verse 8. It says, and they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. So this is the first group right here of gospel evangelists. And who are they? we just see? They're they're women. Hoorah! Come on, ladies. Where are you guys at today, this morning? (laughs) There we go. The women are, are the first evangelists to go out there. Yeah. Now, what's... Interesting is the empty tomb, because the women discovered him, you you have critics saying that the disciples, perhaps they stole the body and they made up this story of what happened to Jesus's body. Well, if the disciples made up a story uh, like this, the one we're reading, they wouldn't have put that the women were the first ones there and they wouldn't have put that they were the ones who were the first evangelists. And you want to know why? It's because I hate to say this, but back then in that era, okay, not according to the Bible, but in that time era, a woman's testimony had no really credit uh, compared to a man's testimony. So they would have put like, oh, the disciples were the first ones there and they weren't scared of anything. (laughs) That's if they made up the story. But the women, they, they recorded it as it happened, that the women were the first people there. And then I also think about the disciples. They all died a martyr's death except for John. He died of natural age. But besides that, they were all killed, beheaded, and tortured. Now, if you make a story up, you're probably not going to die for something that you know to be a lie. So they suffered and were martyred because they had seen the risen Lord, and it changed them. It gave them something that they knew, I will die for this. In verse 11, And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. So here the disciples are like, the women, idle tales, right? They don't believe. I tell that to my mom sometimes, and I, forgive me. (laughs) Idle tales, mom. They didn't remember that Jesus said that he would be resurrected. He told them three times, it's recorded at least three times in the different times in the Bible. Where he said, I'm going to go die and resurrect the third day. And that all like was gone out of their mind at this point, even as the women are telling them this. They were afraid and they were unbelieving. In verse 12, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Which leads me to my fourth and my last point. I seek Jesus with all your heart. See, John records that both, in John's gospel, it records about not just Peter, but John and Peter went running to the tomb. And John also includes that, I beat Peter, by the way. He says, and I outran Peter. But Peter did something that John didn't do, Peter first went inside the tomb because John just went outside of it and was looking in like, oh my goodness. But Peter went in. And I noticed that here in Luke's gospel, he didn't include John there. Not that John wasn't there, he just didn't include him because Luke didn't see it was necessary to include John, but he did seem to think that it was necessary to include that Peter went to the tomb. And why? It was because Peter was so guilty for denying Jesus is Lord three times. Do you remember that account? Jesus told Peter, Peter, look, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. And when you're restored, go and minister to your disciples or your brothers. And Peter told Jesus, Jesus, look, all these disciples that you have, they might deny you. They might betray you, but Jesus, I will never betray you. So bold. I will die for you, Jesus. And then Jesus gets arrested and beat. And while they're having this trial, Peter is standing outside warming himself by the fire of the enemy, that the Romans there, and and the Sanhedrin. And a little girl comes up to him and says, Hey, weren't you one of the 12 disciples? Aren't you aren't you part of Jesus' group? And he's like, No, I'm not. You're already denying the Lord. And then somebody else is like, Hey, I've seen you with this man, Jesus, before. You for sure were part of the disciples. He's no, I was not, I don't know the man. And then a third person comes to him. And I was like, Your speech betrays you. You are a Galilean. You are for sure one of Jesus' disciples. And he curses at the person. And says I do not know the man and then Jesus comes out of the courtyard and sees him at that very moment and they look at each other face to face and he hears the rooster crow just as Jesus said you'll deny me three times before you hear the rooster crow and in that moment then Peter began to weep like no man ever wept because he knew he denied his Lord Jesus warned him and he still did it and we still fail our Lord too We still deny our Lord at days I do it. I fail, I sin, I mess up big. And I need forgiveness and mercy in my life. Every day. So that's why Luke sees it. Look, Peter was the first one to go in. Because this is building Peter's hope back up. And then later on, after he sees the risen Lord, there's going to come a day when the disciples are going to go back to their occupation that they were at before. Peter's going to get back to being a fisherman. And he's there. And him and John are on the boat. And all of a sudden, somebody yells out to them, Hey, how's the fishing going? And they're like, We haven't caught anything. And he says, Cast it on the other side of the boat. And they do. They throw the nets in and as they're pulling the nets in, all of a sudden, all these fish are like coming, like a tremendous amount of fish. And Peter's like, It's Jesus, it's the Lord. He's on the shore. So he takes off his outer garment, and he jumps in the water, and he swims to the shore, and he's swimming. And he gets there just to be with Jesus again, the resurrected Jesus now. And then Jesus starts making fish tacos for the disciples, and they're just like cooking that, and they're eating. And then he, he takes Peter in a one-on-one conversation, and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And whether he was talking about the fish, the fish tacos, or whether he was talking about the disciples, we don't know. But he's pointing to something. Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your occupation? Do you love me more than your brothers here? And Peter looks at him and says, Lord, you you know I love you. And then he tells Peter, feed my sheep. And he asks him again, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, tend my sheep. Look after them, take care of them. Give him the word. And then the third time, Jesus asks Peter in that moment, he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter now is sad as he's remembering, look, I denied my Lord three times. And here Jesus is asking me, do I love him still? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And what Jesus is doing is he's taking Peter as he was a broken man, humbled, he messed up, But Jesus is pulling them back out of it. And and when we failed big in our life at times, right? That's what Jesus wants to do to us. He wants to pick us back out, out of our sin and say, okay, I'm giving you another chance. Go and sin no more. I'm giving you a new life. Walk with my son, Jesus. I'll end with this last verse. As we see Peter repented, he began to seek Jesus. In Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah writes, You will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. So see, something I kind of tie this all together. We can be believing as we seek Jesus. We don't have to be afraid in our lives. God has a plan. We can remember the resurrection not just today, but every day when we seek Jesus with all our heart.